welcome to Talk With Me. This is Marsha Epstein at my dining room table in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, I love being here. I love that I live in this old house between the university and downtown, and Lawrence has interesting things going on. Uh, certainly helped me connect to art scenes locally, as well as now across the country and heading into Canada just a bit too. I say that a few years ago, I got kicked out of the neighborhood of nonprofit and mental health, and I moved to this other one that's the intersection of mental health and art. And I love being here. I love the people who are in my neighborhood. <laughs> it's a big neighborhood, as I said at the beginning. Um, a lot of the people who I talk to are artists. That's, that's why I mentioned that art and mental health intersection. And I'm going to give a huge shout out to one network in particular that I'm very proud of being part of the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture, which is a people's movement of artists and people who believe in the importance of culture. And at this point, and I know for the next four years, there's going to be a whole lot of art activism continuing in addition to other kinds of activism. I'm proud to be part of an organization that emphasizes belonging as one of the biggest things. Um, so if you want to get a peek at what U.S. Department of Arts and Culture is, and maybe there is some big activity in your community, what we call field offices, check out usbac.us, and you will learn about some pretty awesome things about this very, um, very arts-based organization that's all about saying, Everybody is welcome. Everybody is important. Experiences that people have had are important, need to be considered in things like city planning. Imagine that. Let's not gentrify Chinatown in New York City. Let's let people live and have their businesses and cities can thrive in those kinds of ways too. Just a little example. Anyway, um, I'm thrilled today to, to be with this multi-state crew, as I think of it. Um, Daniel Smith, our producer, is just back from Arizona. My guests today are in Massachusetts and Pennsylvania, and here I am in Kansas, in the middle of the country. Um, hey, I want to say that my guests today are Ashley Lofton, who is in Massachusetts, and Desiree L. Stage, who is in Pennsylvania. Um, and we're gonna have conversation about what sometimes gets called lived experience, in this case, lived experience with suicide, and also about writing. That's something that Des and Ashley have in common, and we will be letting you know that if you are somebody who has that lived experience in writing as part of who you are, we have this opportunity for you. There is a, a writing prize that we'll be talking about um, with a deadline of February 28th this year um, and generous cash prizes and the hope of spreading those writings for people to be inspired and build hope. Um, I've been part of this contest from the, the get-go with the idea that we want to have this opportunity to share more words from people who know what it's like to live with thoughts of suicide and live past attempts and help other people understand that there's no shame, no blame for you. Moving forward is, is an opportunity that most of us have. So I'm excited, I'm really excited. Um, and now I will stop talking and we'll try to figure out our pacing. Um, but Ashley, I would love to have you introduce yourself first. Oh, uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm... <laughs> I caught you off guard. Oops, I'm yeah. bad about that. Yeah. Well, I invited you. You and I have not actually met. I've just seen your picture and read your writing because your writing was the first prize winner in the Quinnett Prize that was awarded in April of 2016. And unfortunately, because of a family emergency, I didn't get to be there. But I, I have read what you wrote and I will put the, the link will be available to people to read that piece of writing. And so I just wanted you to say a little bit about you, maybe about your blog, just a little bit so people know just a, a bit about you as we launch into conversation. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I won the 
Gwinnett Prize last year. Um, before that, I was sort of um, just, I, I had a degree in media and I was just sort of working in a cafe. Um, and then Des actually tweeted out the link to the Gwinnett Prize, um, the, comp the contest, and last minute um, I submitted something and didn't expect at all to get anything to come of it. And then I got the call later that I had won the first prize, which was, um, I think, uh, life-changing. So it set me down wow. a whole different path. Um, it, sort of, it sort of gave me direction with what I wanted to do in my life. Because um, first, when I was in college, I was a film student. So I did two years of screenwriting. And then I did two years of news reporting. And then I moved to Boston from Arkansas after college, and I was just sort of working in a cafe with no direction. And once I won the Quinnette Prize, I, I really had a set direction that I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to work in the mental health field in some capacity, um, using writing and, and my own story to, to communicate and help people feel, um, feel like they weren't alone. Um, so yeah, that's how I started the OCD Wrangler um, blog, the thebraveones.org, and um, started tweeting primarily uh, about obsessive compulsive disorder because after I won the Quinnette Prize, I was actually um, hospitalized and diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. So now I focus a lot on on education. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now, just running my blog and speaking with people who have had um, similar experiences. And that is powerful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And our next guest is Desiree L. Stage. <laughs> hey. I think on Facebook, every time I say, think about your name and how hard you had to work to try to get them to let you have your real name. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that at least now I, I, it's it's just my full name, but they, something about my initial really upset them. And I mean, I have punctuation in my name. I understand why that would piss people off. I've, I've been pissed off about it for 33 years. But um, <laughs> that damn apostrophe. That apostrophe really screws things up. But um, thanks, mom. Yeah. I, <laughs> Facebook. Um, they're, they're my, my best friends. So I'm, I'm Des. <laughs> uh, I run a series of portraits and oral histories of suicide attempt survivors called live through this, uh, at live through this.org. I do about 1 million other things, um, <laughs> related to that. <laughs> uh, such as, uh, I speak, uh, at universities, and events nationwide. Um, I'm doing research based on the project. I'm writing things, which is why we're here. Uh, and I'm forgetting all the other stuff I do, but there is stuff. You must spend a lot of time vacuuming up dog and <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I also do that a lot. Because you have a ginormous dog, a beautiful dog. <laughs> she is a ginormous dog. She's standing right here next to me right now. <laughs> Silly animals. For those who don't know, a lovely Bernese mountain dog because they're beautiful, sweet, sweet dogs. And they're big and they're hairy. <laughs> so hairy. There's a, uh, I keep getting ads from, I don't know, some Bernese mountain dog company or something. And they have a mug that says everything's better with burner hair. <laughs> so now this is a phrase that gets used in our house all the time because you know i find a piece of fur in my dinner or yes. in my coffee and it's yes. just like everything's better with burner hair yeah yeah, yeah all yeah, right yeah. And, and i don't want to neglect i want you to name all your pets and i want ashley to name her pets too come on okay. so Des, you, you have you have dolly parton the burner and then i have dolly parton i have canalita who is a Mutt of some kind. She's small, maybe a Jack Russell Chihuahua sort of thing. And I have two cats named Ben and Goose. And uh, Ben has cerebellar hypoplasia, so he just kind of walks around looking like he's drunk all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wait, that's so crazy that your cat's name is Goose because that was my cat's shelter name. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. 
they called her Goose because she was, um, they said she was so soft she felt like Goose Down. Uh, <laughs> his name is actually Gus. I named him after the fat mouse in Cinderella. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> but um, I don't know. You know, they, they take on their, they change their names by themselves. He's a giant orange cat. He just, he became the Goose. <laughs> of course, because he flies. <laughs> it would be awesome if he did. <laughs> and Ashley, how about your kitty who used to be called Goose? <laughs> yeah, her um her name is Enid, uh, after Enid Coleslaw from Ghost World. Um it's really great graphic novel slash movie. <laughs> I'm one of those ding-dongs who didn't realize that graphic novel didn't mean, like, really graphically sex or violent or something until I went to my local library. It's like, oh, with pictures, that's what it means. Yeah, you're like, why are, Why do they have these out in the open? Am I an adult superstore or what? Like... So, getting reined in from pets to writing... I, I love hearing people's stories about writing. And what when I say that, what I'm thinking about is, like, Ashley, when did you start writing? Um, I remember writing uh, my first little book, in quotations, um, when I was eight years old. I was yeah. writing, like, little children's stories. And I remember um, I actually, I, I wrote this book called um, Nanook in the cornfield and illustrated it and everything and it was about a mouse um, who gets lost and has to save um, his friend Bug has to save him wow. and uh, my entire uh, grade my third grade class had to take a test on it <laughs> and I felt really oh bad because <laughs> like every teacher read this like got copies and read this to their class and then they had to take one of those accelerated reader tests on it and uh People were not happy about it. <laughs> oh. They're like, oh my gosh, now I have to do this test. But um, yeah, I started when I was eight. And I think I I published my first poem when I was 11 in like wow. a, a national youth um, book. And then I started, like I continued to write. And in high school, I was the editor of the school literary magazine. And then I was really interested in film all through that time. So when I got into college, I thought, okay, I want to do screenwriting and maybe something in production. Um, and then I got sort of like, um, uh, I don't know, the drafted isn't the right word, but I started working for the newspaper instead of the, um, the campus TV studio. And I started getting more into like uh, long form, like profile writing and, and, um, nonfiction narrative writing. And so, yeah. And then here I am. <laughs> well, what's, what's writing about for you now? What, like, what's it, the personal side of it? What's, what does it do for you when you write your blog? Well, I, whatever you're working on? I think that it's a good sort of, um, right now I'm doing sort of a bit of, of an online diary sort of thing. But um, I would like to branch out and tell, tell more, um, like, in-depth, intimate stories of people who are living with mental illnesses um, or whatever you would call it uh, outside of, um, like, things like obsessive compulsive disorder or things like schizophrenia, things that may, might not be um, as relatable and kind of turn it around and make it you know, relatable. Mm -hmm. cool. And Des, what's, what's your background with writing? I think actually I've probably heard more about your photography than <laughs> your writing. Um, yeah, I, I think there's just so much, so much of it is interwoven at this point in my life, but um, I, I just kind of always wanted to be an artist. So it's, it, <laughs> they all kind of live together. Uh, I the, I really remember starting to value writing, at least when I was um, in high school and starting to deal with, you know, depression and hurting myself and figuring out I was gay. And I was just so sad. And that's how I um, that's just how I processed a lot, a lot of what I was going through was writing and, and music. Um, 
I wrote all through high school. Uh, I went to college. I was consistently a double major of some kind, uh, either psychology and creative writing or something like that. There was always a creative element and a, a psychology element. Um, I, I have a minor in creative writing. Um, I won my, my university's poetry competition. Uh, I, I always, I wanted, my goal was to be a, a suicide researcher and a poet on the side. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I had kind of a a weird experience with my, uh, my poetry professor the last semester I was in college and I was like, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe not, I'm going to take some time off. And I've written one poem since. Um, so that didn't, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, my writing now is, is more, uh, personal essay oriented um, and or educational. I really believe in the power of the story. Um, And I think that stories help us educate people. You know, you got that, that human connection hook that you use to pull people in and then you can teach them about whatever it is that, that you're, you're trying to get the message out about. So I do a lot of that with um, suicide and suicide attempts and, some of the myths that we believe about suicide. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it now. I'm trying to, to write a memoir, which is a special kind of nightmare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm at with it. Well, and for people who don't know, um, please say some things about Live Through This, which obviously brings together you as a writer and a photographer and a person with lived experience with suicide? Um, Live Through This is a collection uh, and a community of 180 people who've who've decided that they wanted to tell their stories of their, um, not just their suicide attempts, but, you know, their, their life after, essentially. How do you, how do you live through a suicidal crisis? What does what does life continue to look like? What does coping continue to look like and struggling and, and what's the evolution there? Um, and these are people from across the country. Ashley is one of them. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's just a, a cool way to show, or for me, it's a cool way uh, to show that the suicide doesn't discriminate. I think we carry around a lot of ideas about what someone who struggles with suicidality looks like. Um, and the website has, has become proof that that's not true. Uh, of the 180 stories that I've collected, there are about 92 on the website and you can already sort of see the diversity there. Um, and it's, as I've continued to collect stories, it's become more and more diverse. So the website right now doesn't even reflect the, the full range of humans who have been involved but um yeah (laughs) one of the things that's so cool to me about the website is when you open it live through this.org you the home page has these pictures they're beautiful pictures and like you're saying that there's visible diversity but there's this heart that shines through every face you know and it's that is so beautiful and and it, it makes me remember something that when I went back to school, which I did way late, um, when I went back to school, I took a research class that's part of um, the study uh, in the master's of social work program here. And the person who was the professor was an, is an amazing, wonderful person, um, very passionate. And his, his first class, was like that page of livethroughthis.org where he he started the class with this slideshow of all these people and no explanation just had us look at all these people and his his brief comment about that was this is what research is about it's doing good practice for people you know not that it's, you know, this highly technical scientific thing that you'll probably hate, but like, it's about doing good stuff for people. And I loved that. 
And I love the way livethroughthis.org engages me every time I look at that website, you know. And I hope people will look at that and I hope people will go to Ashley's blog, OCD Wrangler, um, that's the brave ones. Um, and those those URLs will be in the announcements of the show. And, and I think it's so important. I love bringing people together that people go, oh, that's kind of like me. And I'm a big believer that connection and saying things out loud diminishes shame. And shame is probably one of the worst things that we can experience in terms of how we make meaning of things that have happened to us. Um, so I, I really appreciate both of you and the work that you're doing and that it's from personal commitment, you know, but it has to do with who you are as people, not just saying, I'm going to fix these other people, but this is my life. I am one of us. Um, I am not saying it's me, the artist, writing about them. It's it's all of us. And, and one thing I want to say, and I'm going to be saying this in different settings related to suicide prevention, is we have to keep remembering, you know, like, like you said, does suicide isn't just about certain people. And similarly, it, experience with suicide isn't necessarily limited to one kind of experience. Um, it's not just that a person has survived suicide loss. It's not just that a person has survived suicide thoughts and attempts. It's not just that somebody is a support person for somebody who is in that ongoing survival of suicide thoughts and attempts. You know, many people are all three of the have all three of those experiences and way much more in their lives. It, we can't say this person's a researcher, this person is a consumer, this person, you know, I hate those limits. And so again, I love I love sharing and getting people thinking about, you know, Ashley was a barista and she also had these things going on in her personal life, you know, that that we're all real people. And I think that's that's such an important part of what comes through. So I would love to have both of you say a little bit more about this Quinnette Prize. Just do do your own little, um, you know, Ashley, you made a huge statement about how it was life changing for you to win. Hey, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that that is so cool to, to hear, again, as somebody who's been part of trying to make that prize happen, that, that it really makes a difference to the writer. And, and I think that's inspiring for people in the audience, uh, you know, that to know that it's, yeah, it's personal and it's for other people. So, so that's kind of the question I want to throw out to both of you is like, the works that you're doing now, and I said works plural because it's not just one thing for either of you. How how does that affect you personally? And and Ashley, again, I'd, I'd like to, to have you address that first. What are some of the things you get out of doing the things that you're doing that are helping other people? Um, I don't. I it's it's hard to put into words exactly. Um, the I mean, it's it's been. Uh, <laughs> sort of this um, very humbling experience for me, I think. That's something that I, I really needed as a young adult, I think, was um, now that I've been set down this this new path, or, or rather I, I could feel myself being drawn toward this path. And once I went to Chicago and was able to meet Des and, and give a speech and, and meet Dr. Quinette and all that. Um, uh, it was hugely validating experience. Um, but at the same time, it led to a series of very humbling experiences and that I've been able to interact and meet um, so many people, uh, not just people who are patients or people who are ex-patients, but also people who are working in the psychology field who um, come up to me and say, you know, I wish that I could say the things that you've said, but, you know, we're taught not to. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the most um, incredible things to me is, is to be able to speak with somebody who actually, you know, went to school um, and works in this field and they just, they want to see the change from the inside too, you know? Yeah. 
Um, so it, it's meant a lot to me personally to have those experiences with such a variety of people and people who are, I think, um, like way smarter than me and way more articulate than me, but in a good way, you know, not in a self-deprecating way. I feel like I learn something every single day from everyone I meet. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And I want to push a little bit because I will tell you that one of the reasons that I very strongly connected with artists of word, of painting, of dance, of sculpture, of a lot of different kinds of artists was because I kept hearing people say, this saved my life. You know, I mean, I, I heard it so many different times from people about the power of creating art in terms of the personal benefits, the, the clarification, the expression, um, that even before they shared it, that there was a huge amount of benefit. And I wonder if it's like that for you when, when you're writing a blog for, for um, The Brave Ones and you're you know, preparing to talk to a group. When, when you're putting your words together since writing is one of your arts, what is that like for you? Um, I don't know. It's, I mean, of, of course, it's this very cathartic thing. I definitely... Uh, when I'm speaking to people um, in front of a group, um, say I, I just spoke to um, a group of students at Simmons College, and uh, you know <laughs> I hardly remember any of that just because I was so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> but but afterward, um, you know, a student came up to me and said I, I had addressed something about the mental health field being a lot different in the South, where it's virtually non-existent um, <laughs> or uh, very hard to access. And a student who is a, a student of social work came up to me and said, you know, I'm from Virginia and I try to explain to people up here in Boston what that's like and nobody gets it, you know, so I'm, I'm glad that you were able to address that. But um, I don't know. I, I try to think of things. I try to think of the duality of things, how things can be both for me and for other people. And I think in everything that I do, I really try to to make it more about the other people. And that's what's fulfilling for me. That's very good. And Des, how about for you? What What's that personal part of when you're doing those photographs, when you're writing up people's stories, when you're writing other kinds of things for, you know, social media or educational presentations, what does that do for you personally? Um, I also, for a long time, well, after I started the project, um, had a hard time putting what it did for me into words. So I totally feel you, Ashley. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it at, its, at its core, it gave me a community. Um, you know, I have... In, in doing the project, in interviewing people and photographing them, I have a community of nearly 200 other people who have been to a very similar place to where I've been. Um, and now they have each other. And, you know, in, in doing the social media, there are thousands of people who get it uh, in, in some way, shape or form in being a part of the broader suicidology community. I get to interface with, um, the people who turned me away in academia, uh, in, in some sense, mm -hmm. um, also the all different kinds of clinicians and providers and uh, researchers and just I there's such a breadth of of different kinds of of people um, in the community that I get I get to interface with lost survivors um, as well and that. That ability, because just because of the work I do, being able to, to talk to these people and learn from them is is such an incredible thing. Um, you know, I have I have knowledge available to me at any time. If I have a question about something, or if I want to, you know, find a, a citation for something, or you, no matter like you name it, um, there are people there who are willing to help me and who want to teach me and who want to work with me and. That, that's that's what I get out of it, you know. Um, and I think the Quinet contest specifically, um, when it started, and I guess that was 2015, um, it was really cool for me to 
to not just be able to to put in an entry, but then to subsequently win. It was it was amazing to get the recognition, but more than anything, it was amazing um, to be involved because it was such a symbolic thing for the suicidology community. Um, it came on the heels of the American Association of Suicidology creating a division um, for people with lived experience the year before. And then, you know, this, this was an opening for us to be able to tell our stories. Um, it validated us in a community uh, of people who um, historically kind of didn't. And, you know, it, it just gave us voice in a way that we hadn't had before. So uh, yeah, it's, the whole thing has been pretty cool and it was cool to, to get to be a part of, of the process on the other side too, and, and see kind of <laughs> Ashley win and then get to meet Ashley and, you know, do all that. That's the cool part that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to take a little break right here and hear from a couple of the Lawrence, Kansas businesses that sponsor LawrenceHits.com. And then we'll be right back. Cause I certainly want to share more conversation with Ashley Lofton and Desiree L. Stage about the Quinnette Prize, about lived experience with suicide, you know, all that inspiring stuff you guys do. <laughs> and, and when I take the break, I always get the chance to say a big old thank you to Daniel Smith, who's sitting across the table from me, but trying to ignore me, <laughs> because he makes this all possible for people to hear. And that's what it's about, is getting these words to other people's ears as well. So thank you. We will be right back with more talk with so welcome back to Talk With Me and Desiree L. Stage and Ashley Lofton coming to you from different parts of the USA where so much is going on. And I would love to have you all get some freedom now. What are some of the things that, that you, at this point, because I know it changes, but that you try at this point to let people experience or hear when they get to read from you or get to have you be a presenter there? Are there are there some things that people have said to you like, God, I'm so glad you said this or you know, any particular kinds of messages that, that at this time you, you hear and you believe are really important? <laughs> oh man. I know it's a big one. It's my, <laughs> my way of saying, what do you want to talk about guys? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God, I don't even know the answer to that. You know, <laughs> people say so many things to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like for me, what what Ashley said earlier. Um, when I go and and talk to students at universities, or even when I talk at events, people there's always someone who comes up and says, "Yeah, I really, I really needed to hear that today." Um, and it's always yeah. something different. I've done in the past year. Um, I did a talk on interpersonal violence um, in queer relationships, you know, and, and how that, how my, my uh, experience with a relationship like that influenced um, or at least had an interplay with my suicidality. Um, you know, people just kind of hadn't heard a story like that where things, those two things were connected. And I was really grateful that I was able to give that talk. Um, mm -hmm. And this year, like, I'm always trying to change it up to keep it novel because even though, you know, I, I just said all of those nice things about all of the amazing people who have welcomed me into the suicidology community, there is still a little bit of resistance. Um, so whenever I show up at a conference or something, I'm constantly trying to keep it uh, new. And so <laughs> this year I'm talking about suicide and video games. Um, yeah. I'm talking about how different communities of people with lived experience can come together. So that's, you know, people, uh, people who have uh, experience with suicide attempts or suicidal thoughts and feelings, people who have been, who were clinician survivors, who have lost a client, um, you know, family members and friends of someone who's been lost to suicide, and also um, people who've lost their family members to murder, suicide, uh, you know, just what what can we learn because we can all learn yeah. something from each other so that's yeah. kind of kind of how i'm i'm tackling things right now and and trying yeah. to to keep it new and to keep people engaged and it's it's keeping it new and engaged part isn't to me that's that i i i think that's in some ways the easy part compared to 
some of the actual topics, you know, like when you mentioned murder-suicide, um, in my experience with suicide bereavement, um, which is a personal experience, but also I've led groups for a long time. And the first time we had somebody who participated who was the sole survivor in his family um, because his wife, in a very irrational state, drove his truck with their three children into a lake and they all four died. And Chris lost his whole family in one incident. And I know for him, one of the things that was, is always, will always be important is that people see him as a person. Mm -hmm. Don't see him as, oh, you're so strong. Mm -hmm. Do not blame him. Um, for the deaths in his family, and do not assume that his pain is bigger than anybody else's. You know, there there was that strong need to be able to say his story and be accepted as a person and not want his story to negate anybody else's experience. And so I'm saying all of that uh, in part to give a huge shout out to this person who taught so many so much just as he was learning from other people. But those, those reminders for us not to, to judge the meaning of things and not to put down our own experiences and also not to be ashamed to share them with the right people. You know, yeah, not everybody gets it. Not everybody is welcoming. And some people say some really hurtful things, sometimes probably on purpose and a lot of times because they don't know what to do, you know, but but that thing about, you know, bringing up these hard things, they don't go away when we don't talk about them, you know? And so that's, again, why I love what you, Ashley, and you does are doing, because you're, you're elevating not only your own voices, but other people's voices and bringing people into conversations that need to be had. And sometimes probably need to be in people's faces in terms of some of those people who think that they can work in the field of suicide prevention and not pay attention to people's real stories. Because... Mm -hmm. There's so much that we learn. Yeah. So again, I really appreciate things that you guys are doing. And and like for you, Ashley, like with your blog, I, I'm not familiar enough to, to know, do you have a, a regular pace that you try to put out a piece every so often? Um, is it kind of as the spirit moves you? You know, how are you kind of integrating your mental health advocacy into other parts of your life because of the time that it takes to do that advocacy? Well, it's um, it's sort of as the spirit moves me, but with a tentative uh, goal of releasing one long piece a month. Okay. Um, so it's because right now, of course, I'm I'm working part time in food service, and then on top of that, I'm also doing um, different sort of talks and fundraisers and that sort of thing. And then, so it, it's hard to. Um, <laughs> it's hard to write like, something really long um, <laughs> amidst, amidst all that. And I'm also right now, you know, um, dealing with a lot of uh, personal healing. Yeah. Um, because uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, not long after I um, won the Quinette contest, I was hospitalized and I spent maybe, you know, the three months of the summer after that, um, hospitalized and trying to deal with this, uh, mental illness. So, um, or however you want to call it, <laughs> I don't even know, <laughs> Yeah. but, um, yeah. so yeah, like there are a lot of things that are, are really fresh for me. So I'm dealing with my own healing on, on top of wanting to be an advocate and, and trying to address these things and, and draw people in. But I think that part of the, the benefit of having things be so raw is that you can sort of um, attract people who are really hungry for that relatability, you know, in, in times of, of their own rawness, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and, and that makes me want to follow up with you, Ashley, about what are, what are some of the things that at this point in your life are some of the things that nourish you, that really help you uh, be able to do the hard work of advocacy, but also that just are, not just, I hate that word just, that are so important in making your life 
a really great life for you to live. Um, okay. Well, I hate to be sappy about things, <laughs> but, um, you know, in, in the summer, um, I met my boyfriend turned fiance and that was a really big thing for me. Um, because he had lost his mother to suicide, um, 10 years ago this year. Um, and so for the first time in my life that I had actually met someone who had lost someone to suicide. And I think that, that meeting, <laughs> meeting him has changed my perspective on, on suicidality and suicide loss and healing. And, and we've sort of been supporting each other, um, in being advocates and supports for other people. Mm -hmm. I think that knowing him and having his support has given me a lot of strength in that way. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you guys might do in addition to hanging out? Like do you have favorite things to do together? Um, you know, we like to go for walks and, um, <laughs> I mean, it's really boring because we just like to read in bed, <laughs> you know? <That's> sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't I don't I don't know how to say it because we're we're both like um very anxious people so we don't go out to like dinners a lot you know uh -huh. um but we'll be like oh do you want to play Scrabble you know cool. <laughs> that's what we like to do and we go to bookstores um every weekend and every Wednesday night we go to the library that's like our thing <laughs> cool books are a big part of your life that's very cool yeah <laughs> Do you, do you guys go to, to readings? Like, is that something that you would do where you are? Hear authors reading from their own works, whether it's poetry or others? Um, I mean, I think it's something that I would like to do in the future. Uh -huh. But I, I'm, I, I don't like the idea of being, like, packed in a room with people. And, you know, that tends to be, like, what that's like. Is it? Around here, <laughs> they are packed most of the time. Very few times is the room packed. Uh -huh. It's a very small room. <laughs> But it's one of those things that, that I've, I've noticed is really, I really enjoy. I really, I really love hearing people read and read their own work, like hear it in their voices, hear their emphases, you know, the way it sounds from them. And then also to have that in writing, you know. So like for me, yeah. this sounds really nerdy, but it'd be cool to me to have you read one of your blogs. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, know. I'll do it. <laughs> all right. All right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do that on this show this very day you could get one of those ready but that's not going to force you so <laughs> does what are some of the light fun things for you um god uh i i feel like i'm constantly moving um obviously my dogs and my wife are my best friends i i like to spend as much time with them as i can um i'm also a huge reader um, I do go to readings sometimes. I actually got to meet one of my favorite writers in Nashville accidentally uh, last month, uh, Ann Patchett. I went to her Ooh. bookstore to kind of skulk around and see if she was there. And it just happened to be a day where they were doing some event. And I saw her walk in and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we stayed for the event. And then afterwards, I, I got to talk to her. And um, she made fun of the spelling of my name. <laughs> and she was like Thank you. well it was hilarious she was like are you serious and I actually I I um I I took the the author headshot for a New York Times best-selling book that just happened to be a few feet away from me uh -huh. when when she made fun of me and I was like well here's this <laughs> proof that this is my name um but I also got to talk to her about my work and she, she thanked me and she was really, you know, she wanted to see it. And I was like, Oh my God. Um, so that was cool. Other things I, I travel a lot, which is um, simultaneously really difficult for me because I also have a lot of anxiety. Um, and when I'm, I need a routine and when I get pulled out of my routine, which is constantly uh, it, it, it's hard, but um I want to go meet new people. I want to see different parts of the world. So we're leaving for Havana on Thursday awesome. uh, for a long weekend in Cuba. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's my, my family travel reading. We, we watch, I love to go to the movies. Um, 
So we go see a lot of movies. I like to sit in theaters and just take time away from all of the awful things that are happening in the world. Usually I will go do like a double feature. Um, This past weekend I saw, I saw dirty dancing in the theater (laughs) for the first time. And I was, version too i mean like a, yeah a, a sequel or whatever <laughs> yeah i still haven't seen it it's called it's called havana nights um that's what i thought of when you said havana i was like dirty dancing havana nights <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i got to see one of my favorite movies in the theater for the first time which was sweet awesome and i also went to a broadway play that was really centered around suicide this weekend and i i was able to consult on it so I just do a lot of stuff like that. That's cool. Hey, speaking of of film, I want to give a big shout out to Anne Marie Matulis and Voice at the Table. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that documentary with you and everybody in it really was the first thing, at least that I experienced. That that was a really seminal part of what I think of as 2014. This really starting to elevate the voices of people with lived experience. And I Absolutely. love that Anne-Marie is involved with, in addition to Voice at the Table, um, in, there in Massachusetts, she does lots of uh, work to benefit people affected by suicide in so many different ways, including a youth suicide prevention project right now, lots of cool things. But also, following up from 2014 is where Lisa Klein was at the American Association of Suicidology meeting to do filming and things that are going to become part of this movie that I think this woman named Desiree L. Stage has a big part in. Uh, the S word. Will you please say some things about the S word? Um, the S word is incredible. Uh, Lisa just finished filming, or I think she she didn't finish. I wouldn't say finish is the right word. I, I think she forced herself to stop um, in December. I've seen, I saw a rough cut in September and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, it follows the stories of several uh, attempt survivors turned advocates, me, Craig Miller, Leah Harris, uh, Kalechi, um and there's one, the only person who's in it who I haven't met, I can't remember his name, but he's a veteran in Colorado. Um, and a family of, of people who lost their son, at Brandon Toe, who's had an incredible story. Um, the movie is, it's two and a half years worth of what is the work we do and, and why is it meaningful and how are we changing things? And, and you know, it's, it's awesome. Um, it should come out this year. I believe we are waiting to hear back on um, festival stuff. And then once we know about how the festivals go down, um, we should get a better sense of when she's going to do screenings and all of that stuff. And maybe eventually Netflix. I'm so excited. And, and huge shout out to Lisa Klein, who came into this project as a survivor of suicide deaths in her own family passionate, wonderful person, just from the glimpses that I've had in conversations with her. I know that at this point, you two must be besties with all of the intensity of the S word filming. And it's just amazing and wonderful what she's doing. I'm so excited, so eager for that film to become available for people to really, again, bring up more conversation, more like, this is stuff we have to talk about, which is, of course, the premise of of that, of that film. Yeah, cool, cool stuff. The website for those who want to go check it out is theswordmovie.com. And that was a great one to look at. Good, good stories on there, blog posts from people. I recently did a, a show with Rudy uh, Caceres, and one of these uh-huh. people was featured on a blog on the S Word movie. Um, Cool, cool stuff going on. And I want to circle back around to the Quinnette Prize. And so I will say, um, in, in the uh, transparency mode, um, I, I am involved <laughs> with the Paul G. Quinnette Lived Experience Writing Prize, um, which is housed at the American Association of Suicidology Long Web 
addresses. Um, and <laughs> if you can find suicideology, the study of suicide, it kind of makes sense, suicide without the E and then ology.org. Um, you can find a tab that says attempt survivors and you can then move over to a tab that says um, something like Gwinnett Writing Prize. And it has the information for people who want to submit writing. Um, the deadline is February 28th and the awards will be announced. And um, if, if the winners are able to be present, um, that will occur in Phoenix at the annual conference of the American Association of Suicidology in late April. Um, and so all that information is on the website. And I know from writer friends in general that, that in order to be published, you get a lot of rejections. That's just the way it works. And so I, I look at this writing prize as I understand that it's difficult to write and submit for judgment something so personal as part of your own story of suicide thoughts, suicide attempts, and how you are at this point with a story that is there to be real and also to help build hope in other people. You know, um, I realize that that's very personal, very raw, very vulnerable. And I applaud everybody who is able to make the decision to push the button on the computer and upload that, that writing for this contest. And we really appreciate everybody and want people to do this. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to have this show available at this time to get the word out. We're, we are eager to have lots of people from all over the country be able to share what they would like to share for this prize. And the American Association of Suicidology website, um, you, you have to kind of dig around a little bit in that Quinette Prize page but you'll see there's a link and there are six pieces of writing that you can read that include Desiree's piece that was the first prize winner for the inaugural contest in 2015 and Ashley's that is the first prize winner for the, the contest in 2016. You know, so you can, you can read six pieces and get an idea of that these are some that people sent and they might help you know about, you know, what your piece might look like if you want to, if you're editing it. But more than that, we hope that that writing gets shared, that other people get to see it, experience it, just like other things. A, a lot of things are being shared through social media, online, different ways. It's really so important for people to hear these stories and to share them. So so that's, that's kind of my plug for, you know, I understand how for some people it just may be too hard to, to submit a writing piece. For other people who are able to do that, please do. Um, we so value that. Um, so that's my part. How about you two? What What else would you say about that Quinette Prize to, to help people wherever they are in the country to think about actually sending in some writing? Um, I, I, I would, I would give tips. Um, I, and I think this is something that, that sometimes people miss, um, because we just want to tell our story straight. Um, but one thing that I know the judges like to see, because I, I, I was not only a winner, I was also a judge last year. Uh, <laughs> so two separate years, folks, not the same two separate years. <laughs> no, I, I didn't, I didn't judge my own work. Um, I don't know that I would have given myself the win, let's be real. But <laughs> but um, what what the judges are looking for is not only a well-written piece, but a, a narrative of hope, healing, and help, as, as John Draper uh, of the lifeline would say, um, trying to avoid language um, that's maybe not necessarily accepted within the, the suicide prevention field anymore, like committed suicide. Um, trying to avoid any specific methodology uh, about a suicide attempt or really um, intense suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, if, if just keep, keep specifics out, out, don't, don't paint gory pictures and such. Cause it's, it's more about um, how did you live through it? What happened after that, that kept you going and how do you struggle now? And how do you, 
how do you get through your days in a way that's meaningful and 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 inspiring because i think all of our stories are really inspiring yeah. the different ways that we that we power through yeah and you you mentioned that language issue and for people who aren't really familiar with well what might you say other than commit suicide you know that the, the movement for a long time has been to, to really be aware that commit is often a language that is used in criminal pipelines, you know? And so what we think about with suicide is that, is that it, it represents, you know, in my words, it represents unlivable life. And it's not this thing related to crime, it's this thing related to some kind of pain. And so I know that that I'm in the habit of saying things like somebody died by suicide. Um, that's probably that's probably my most common way. Mm-hmm. I know that that Donna Sherman from the Dudley Center really says for her what's meaningful is to refer to it as died of suicide. Mm-hmm. Like we might say somebody died, you know, of cancer. Um, and and so making it not something that's pejorative um, in terms of the connotations. So, so we think about that uh, a lot is, is wanting to not blame people. And, and I know, Ashley, in a different way, you know, you, you mentioned that, that for you there's some awkwardness around the language, that phrase mental illness, and, and I am with you on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, people can say what they're comfortable with for their own experience, and sometimes what they say is different than what I think um, or what I would say about myself, but but I think that that you know being sensitive to what kind of labels work for people to describe something. I'm I'm such a big one on always asking people, but what you you know you feel a lot of anxiety. What is that? Tell me what that is for you. You know because we don't we we have to use language, but it doesn't always mean the same thing. And so I hope that all of us listeners, all of us, are committed to to being aware that. Language may need to change at times to reflect things that we know differently about the effect of language. Lots of different things, you know. So, so to be aware, um, to to do our best to be kind in the way that we describe things, to be welcoming, mm-hmm. to to accept and show caring for people. And and we get back to the title of this upcoming documentary, the S word. You know that that emphasis that we need to be talking. You know. There's, there's nothing bad about talking about suicide. In fact, you know, it's like you know, we've said before, things don't go away when we don't talk about them. When we give people a chance to talk about them, we can figure out what to do to help. It's good stuff, very good stuff. So um, I know that in social media, I will be able to share links to work that both you, Ashley Lofton, and you, Desiree Elstage, are doing. Um, and I just would like to invite you both to say a final word to our listeners of goodbye, um, because I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this and our hour's over. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, from you, one final word or two or three. <laughs> well, um, I do want to I want to give a quick shout out to uh, at Suicide Media Bot on Twitter. If you want, <laughs> if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, how to address suicide um, in journalism and writing, check out at Suicide Media Bot. <laughs> Very nice. Right. Well played. Yeah. Well played. <laughs> okay. That was your final words. How about you, Des? I'm just going to give some context for her shout out. I got, <laughs> I got bored one day and created a Twitter bot, um, and I decided that it should be uh, – a, a bot dedicated to helping people who are writing about suicide um, do better. But my final word is tell your story if you can, if you feel safe, if you feel comfortable, talk about it. And if you can write about it and, you know, enter this contest, it's, it's 20 bucks. And if, if you win it, the prize is, probably one of the biggest writing prizes I've ever seen. So do the thing. All right. Thank you both, Ashley and Desiree. Thank you both so much for the things that you are doing to inspire other people to believe that they can get past 
some of those darkest times to some better times. Yeah, there are ups and downs, bumps, dark spots, shit happens. But, you know, over time, we really can, most of us, I'm not going to say it in a blaming way, but most of us can learn and connect and have the ability to get through some things and have lots of joy in our life at times. You know, that's what we all deserve. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that thing of it's about getting people to life worth living, not just keeping people alive. I don't, I don't believe in that, but helping people get to a life that they're glad they're alive for. And I think you both in your examples of your own lives are showing that and doing things to let other people know that. So again, thank you so much. Listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed this hour as much as I have. And again, on social media, we'll have some links about how to follow these two, learn things that they're doing, um, particularly in the iTunes and Google Play Music descriptions of the show. Thank you all and so long.